What is up, and welcome to another episode of Hanson Athletics. Today we got Daniel Ryan on for his second appearance, and we get into um, collegiate strength and conditioning, um, Idaho State here in Pocatello, as well as some principles that can apply um, worldwide, really, and talk about his experience at the school and in the profession. And then we dive into some certifications and organizations that we recommend future and upcoming coaches look into as well as take information from and then give you some advice and maybe some motivation to get that side hustle going to really solidify your spot and you know in the world as well as create a career that can become something that you love to do which is really the dream and the goal so you know, empty those cups, listen in, and take any actionable advice you can out of this. And I appreciate you guys supporting Hanson Athletics. Well, you've been here two years? Going into my third. Started my third. Going into third. Yep. Came in July 2017, I started. Yeah, and we did our first podcast like the after your first year. Mm-hmm. So since then, um, first off, like just in the community, like, like for example, I went and talked to Chief Shy. Or is that how you say it? Yep. Like you, everybody's like excited about what you're doing up here. Like they're like, Dan is the man is basically what they say. Um, but then for me as a strength coach, I know you just got to be going, you got to be working your ass off. It's, it's cause you're like, the only, yeah. For people listening that don't know, like Dan is basically running 130 athletes. Uh, total on our, no, 308 this, um, this Th- year, 308 athletes different sports different specialties they you know they need different things and dan's a one-man show mm-hmm. i'm sure he's got a little bit of help for if anybody's listening that helps him out and they're like well i help him but um, on staff you're the only one yes yep and it, for for a division one school so that's pretty crazy um is there any like unique challenges you've run into that you didn't know coming into it that you might have i think the biggest thing is just how involved that could be with every team every other place i've been i've been with one team or two teams or you know no more than like four teams yeah so i'm more involved in every bit of the day-to-day i'm going out and doing the condition i'm going out and doing the pre-game warm-ups and the pre-practice warm-ups with those teams yeah. here i don't have that luxury so i rely on and i have to work with the coaching staffs a lot to help me with that component yeah i kind of handle everything in the weight room i give them direction on some other things but like on court conditioning for basketball teams soccer all that kind of stuff a lot of that you can't go through the coaches because I can't be there. If I'm not in the weight room, it's closed. So that was an adjustment from being used to controlling every aspect of it yeah. and being, you know, just having the ability to go to practice and watch athletes and see and how, see how see they what? move and see where their weaknesses are and see, you know, if there's an injury or something like that and find ways yeah. to individually make them better. I don't a, get yeah. that as much. That's a big, I didn't even think about this. He said that's like, that's a big component that would help you just having more people that could be in here and keep the weight room open is yeah, you've got to see them on the field and their finished product. Like the high school kids we train at my gym, like I go to their soccer games mm-hmm. and I go to their track meets and I go to their football games because you, like as a coach, as a strength coach, you need to see how they display movement without thinking right. like what they're doing. Um, you'd be like, Oh, you know, so you can kind of relate injuries or pain or things they need to work on. Yep. So I, I get to most games. I try to get to every home game for all our teams, but having the ability to go to practice and yeah. actually see them on a regular basis and see where we're making progress and where we're lacking and just yeah. – you, you can see things you don't see in the weight room. The weight room's a very controlled environment. Yeah. We can fix a lot of things. We can correct a lot of things, but it's all controlled. Yep. Out open. on the field, it's completely different. They're reacting to stimulus. They're moving differently. They're not thinking about how they're yeah. loading and how they're recruiting and – yeah. what their joint angles are and things like that. Yeah. So you start to notice them get back into the habits that might be causing them these recurring issues with injury or whatever it might be or yeah. lack of mobility, lack of speed. So it gives you a different perspective outside the weight room where it's the controlled environment. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. Um, I think our coaches here realize that, and they're you know we're getting better at relaying that information back and forth i still do my best to get out to things as much as i can yeah and then just creating that relationship with those athletes so they can also tell me where they're feeling issues on the field or where they're not feeling as explosive or whatever and then we can try to bring that in here yeah but it's different than seeing it with your own eyes for sure so for like 
to help alleviate that problem, you just need people in the community. I mean, how hard is it for them to just get set up to like, if they have a, the right certifications to come and op- have the weight room open for you? Like when you could go and be more involved. With yeah. The stuff. first thing is the certification and we have to have, that's an NCA rule. We have to have an accredited strength and conditioning certification, which I think is a good change for the profession. So we have a educated standard. coaches <laughs> yeah. and there's a standard and yeah. there's, you know, a way we do things and you don't just get anyone who lifted weights once and thinks they can do it yeah. for everyone else. Cause it's different. Yeah. Um, but I think part of it is also having the experience and a collegiate setting it's different coming from the private sector mm-hmm. i've worked in the private sector and training people one-on-one you can do things a lot differently oh, yeah. in the team setting things are run differently you can't get as in depth on things you can't spend as much time on certain things mm-hmm. we have nca hour limits for countable athletic related activities that we have to stay within um so you have to be efficient and try to find you know you have to get the biggest bang for your buck all the time you have yeah. to make sure what you're doing is going to give the athletes the most. What's going to cause adaptation? Mm-hmm. Like you can waste a lot of time doing shit you see on the internet that you know it's not going to pay off like yep. something else would. Um, no, that's that's good to know in terms of that. So I had a question for you that I forgot that just stemmed off of that. Um, but we'll go into this. So um, it's your third year mm-hmm. going into your third year. Um, have you felt like you're able to make a pretty good change on culture? Cause now you're starting to get where, you know, you've had athletes for two right. years. Obviously I think ideally once you have that whole four year cycle where you've like, you've had freshmen all the way to senior, that's yep. awesome. But right now, is it, does it feel a lot different in here than when you started? It does. You, you get the senior athletes, you know, that have now been with me for three years. They're starting to, the buy-in from the athletes is starting to be there cause they're starting to notice results. Yeah. You know, the strength strength and conditioning isn't ever 100% responsible for results on the field. There's a lot of outside factors, but it does play a role. Yeah. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me is reducing the injuries, getting wins, all that kind of stuff. And the kids are starting to see that. When they see that carry over to their sport, they buy in. Yeah. As those older classes continue to progress through, the younger new recruits who come in, they just fall in line because they see these other – successful athletes and how they approach the weight room and that it's important to them and important mm-hmm. to their coaches. So that's been a big thing. Um, and just, you talk about creating the culture. It's making sure that every sport and every athlete realizes the importance of the weight room and how it can help them, how the weight yeah. room benefits our cross country runners is much different than how it benefits our football players, mm-hmm. but there's still benefits for them. And it's, you know, finding ways to relay that to those athletes and create buy-in. The big thing is about creating buy-in with them. If they're yeah. buying into what you're doing, you're going to get results. You yeah. know, there's a lot of ways to do things. There's not one way that's just right. But if you can get them to buy in the system and work hard at it and, you know, seek that improvement, then you're going to see it. So we're starting to get to that point where, we're, you know, our injuries are reducing. You're still going to have them, but we're not getting as many major things happening where, you know, our bodies are holding up better. Um, for football, last year we had the majority of our, like our offense, for example, played every game for the most part. Yeah, that's awesome. Like our offensive line, a, a position that's usually pretty beat up and can take some hits, we had none of our guys miss a game. Yeah. So that's that awesome. that's that's big for us, and that's been a big thing. And so I think yeah. that has some direct correlation to what we're doing in here and what those kids are putting into it. And yeah. they care about it. That's the biggest thing. I, I tell them all the time, I can write the greatest workout in the world in my mind for them, but none of it matters if they don't put effort and an intention every day into yeah. it. Um yeah. You know, they want to give me the credit or people want to give me, I'm not really doing anything. They're the ones doing the work. I have the easy part. Yeah. I write some things down. I give them some direction, give them some cues. They're the ones who have to put the work in every single day. Yeah. And it's just the mentality of our kids who have started to do that. Yeah. And so it's made a change. Some leaders. So you've had like a good group of leaders kind of mm-hmm. step up. Yeah. We have, I want to say it's 25, 26 seniors on our football team this year who have now been with me for three years. You know, you get that kind of continuity with the team. It really helps. Yeah. Well, I know because I was talking again back to Roger, but because I wasn't around, I was gone for like eight years. So he said he can tell a huge difference from when he used to come in, you know, four or five, six years ago mm-hmm. to like when he comes in because he was doing those summer, like coming in here and working out yep. with you guys. He said it's a completely different environment than what it was, which is awesome. That's the goal. I mean, our kids spend a lot of time here. Weight rooms can yeah, sometimes be the dark dungeon place that – 
you know, you're not going to want to wake up and go there every single day. All athletes have that day. But if I can get them, the majority of them, to look forward to coming in here most of the time, then we're going to be successful. I want them to enjoy it. I want them to have fun, but we got to get work done. And, you know, yeah. there has to be an energy. My coaching style, I'm not the most energetic person out there. I'm not the typical strength coach who's going to yell and scream and yeah. jump around and make a lot of noise. That's not my personality. But we're still going to have intent and we're going to – be excited about what we're doing and I'm going to coach him hard still. So got to get Fia Fia in here. Dude. Yeah. He, <laughs> coaches come in, he comes in and he does that work for me. Yeah. So there's yeah, no problem with that. Cause what I like my experience at Utah state and U of U was, I mean, that's, it was ran like military. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's kind of what you got to do, right. To like make sure they're coming here and it's effective. Yep. Um, so yeah. And I think that would be a benefit too. If you like, as you get more people on staff, you get that high energy guy that wants to yell out the counts and like all that shit and kind of run it like uh yeah we're very organized there's no doubt about that kids will tell yeah. you if you talk to them if they're one second late to their lift i'm on them it's yeah. it's a thing yeah. i don't deal with and what you know they're we're dealing with that and it's they know not to be late they know that's not something we're gonna yeah. tolerate they know if they're not getting their work done i'm gonna get on them but at the same time i i give them some autonomy in here yeah. we're not lifting every rep together on the whistle yeah. some programs do that it works well for them mm -hmm. i like giving my kids some autonomy all, all of them are a little different so yeah. you know we give them guidelines and as long as they stay within that we're okay i'm not trying to micromanage them and yeah. and, and be, change how it is yeah. and be that much of a dictator but you know it's a work in progress yeah i've so this is i always like to touch on this because i it's just funny but so have you had any issues with like let's say athletes see some shit on the internet or whatever and they think it's cool and then they're coming in here and they're like you're actually doing shit that gets the bang for their buck and they're like why aren't we doing this or you know and you just kind of have to steer them back or do you ever run into like I, somebody that's really hard-headed about that yeah or i get it quite a bit the biggest thing i get is that there's not enough variety in my workouts that they get bored yeah because we do very foundational movements and we do them frequently yeah you know, we squat twice a week. We do all the Olympic lifts multiple times a week. Yeah. We're not changing everything every single day just for the sake of keeping them excited or that, you know, the popular term of muscle confusion. Yeah. That that you like you like to get in is marketed. So that's where I get the most pushback. Why are we doing the same workout again? This looks the same as last week. Yeah. It mostly is. <laughs> we're changing volume. We're changing intensity. But yeah. the movements we're doing are going to be the same. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest pushback I get, and I you know I work to educate them on why we do it and what yeah. we're trying to get out of it, and you know the value of training consistently in the same way to get results over the time, and so I get that. And then the other big one is the the core. I always get I need a core circuit. I need, I need some core, core exercises like. Back squat. We we just did, <laughs> we just did forty five minutes of core. You did heavy squat cleans. You did a heavy front squat. You yeah, know we did. That's an, about a lot. You're using your whole trunk. We all the we time. loaded RDLs. Like yeah, we're doing plenty of core. You're getting way more core activation in that than you do laying down and doing a bunch of crunches. Which is not. But know, when are you going to do that on the field? Yeah, in, in their mind, <laughs> lay down and do a crunch on the field. I got to get my <laughs> I got to get my six pack. This is how I'm going to do it. So Shit. you know sometimes you got to, I you know I make deals with them. You get my stuff done. Then I'll give you some. Then, then we'll give you some extra work. stuff yeah. at the top. <laughs> I tell them you got to have your din dinner before dessert. So gotcha. Get the meat and potatoes, and then you can have everything else after we're done. Yeah, that's um, and that's what's funny is it's I've like been reading some stuff on Kobe Bryant and like high high level athletes, and I've heard in the strength world a lot. But then these athletes are even saying, "I was great because I was good at the basics, mm -hmm. not because I was good at some flashy shit." Yeah, because I was really good at the basics. And that, you know, that's kind of my philosophy. Keep it simple. Yeah. It like, because be. the, you can always break down movement to like basic movement patterns. And it's like, if you can master these movement patterns and then, you know, display them, um, very smoothly and together, then you look athletic. Like that's athleticism, mm -hmm. right? Is the ability to do basic primal movements like seamlessly and effortlessly. And that's the thing. There's not that many basic movements that are key to everything you do in sport yeah. it's pretty simple you boil it down you know yeah you have your squat you have your hands you have your push your pull your lunge yep and the step up that's the that's, only one. that's pretty the much I... all there is there yep. and it's just different variations of that and that's where with all the inundation of different workout videos and gurus and everything that these kids are seeing every single day pro athletes are putting this stuff out with their trainers and yeah. they're seeing all of these 
different exercises, these little snippets. Yeah. So if you're staying within just your primal movements, yeah. that becomes boring to them. And boring means not effective. Yeah. And then boring means less buy-in. So that's a challenge. You have yeah. to try to continue to keep them in on it. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, put a little change, something small. It won't be major. But for them, it's a different exercise. For just, me, I'm getting the same thing out of it. Yeah. You know, just I might do a, a single leg RDL with a dumbbell instead of a barbell RDL. Yeah. In their mind, that's a different exercise. I'm getting similar results out of it. So yeah. you got to be able to play that game a little bit. But that's yeah. probably the biggest challenge with them. That's just it. Just is. It's just funny to me. Yeah, and, and two, you got to look at like like high school athletes, college athletes. They've got to look – if they're looking at, like, professional high-level athletes, you know, odds are they've spent a long, 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 long time on the basics. Like, so that even if they want to get to, like, sexy shit, which mm-hmm. I would argue, you know, might not be as effective in that, like, Odell Beckham's doing weird shit just because he's Odell Beckham. Yeah. You know, and, I, like, training in the sand, like, doing shit like he does isn't necessarily making him better. He's just already good. But, like, you th- – they've spent a lot of time on the basics – and these guys, just, it's just kind of like they want to skip that and go because yep. they think that's what made them successful. The nice thing is they're finally starting to get some pushback from some of the better minds in strength and conditioning. Yeah. It's, you're starting yeah, to see yeah. it called out on, speaking, out, yeah. speaking up about it on social media a little bit. So some of these things that I've been doing with my athletes and even when I was assistant working under Mike Gerber, who a lot of people say was an old school coach, kind of taught me all my stuff about Olympic lifting has been doing it for years you know they've been doing it forever 20 30 years now it's starting to come out you know crossfit comes out and the olympic lifts become popular and yeah kids are like oh i want to learn how to do this we've been doing this for 20 yeah. years now yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. so it's starting to come around a little bit yeah. and you're getting some coaches you know starting to question these videos on twitter and instagram of young kids doing huge amounts of weight with terrible technique yeah you know and you see people calling that out and kind of pointing out some of the stuff that these professional athletes are doing and calling it for what it is and calling it stupid and useless. Yeah. And, you know, so you get that a little bit more and the kids are seeing it, but there's still just so much of the other stuff that it's yeah. not enough yet. We're moving the right direction. And you know, what just popped my mind is like, you don't see these, like most of the shit you see on Instagram from like professional athletes, isn't stuff that they're doing in the, in the actual strength conditioning program for their team. It's like either with the coach outside mm-hmm. of the organization or like in their off season yep. or when they're at home, like, I don't know if they're not allowed to post stuff within the team environment, but that just dawned on me is like, we're not seeing the shit that they're doing as like the core of their, like whoever's running their strength and conditioning program yeah. for the team. You're not seeing a lot of that. The only uh, person I know that posts a lot was James Harrison mm-hmm. and all he was doing is fucking lifting weights. Yep. <laughs> doing I, the basics. That's the other thing. Everyone wants the likes and the follows and the clicks and the basics aren't going to get you that they're not, not that exciting yeah. it doesn't it's you know even when i post stuff you know you try to find stuff that's going to get some exposure for the kids but i will get really excited about you know a sub maximal effort squat that has great depth and range of motion and all that kind of stuff i put that up a lot of people are going to make comments about that's not very much weight that's a big guy not doing very much <laughs> weight that's not very impressive you, you know don't see it, and yeah. they just find it so i think that's part of it too you they post those kind of things because that's what draws the attention. That's what gets the, you know, the retweets from ESPN and things like that. When you're standing on a BOSU ball and you have strobe lights and goggles on and you're catching these <laughs> multicolored devices with one yeah. hand, you know, and that's what, because it's yeah. interesting and new. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Everyone's seen a squat a million times. Everyone's seen a clean a million times, and there's just yeah. not that excitement of it. So it's flashy. Yeah. Um, next question so has have you been able to have a little more impact or work with like the athlete nutrition like on that side because i know before you didn't really like, have a super good program for that um i know people were trying to do it and help out and like i think they have a nutritionist for the team yep. and stuff have you guys been able to in your opinion make a bigger impact on what we're the kids working are on it it's still probably not as much as we need to um we have a nutritionist on staff, Natalie Christensen. She does a great job with her athletes. She was a former athlete herself. Yeah. Um, but she's a part-time employee, so she does as much as she can with the hours yeah. she has here. And she's, you know, she's spread just as thin as I am. She's a one-person staff for all of her athletes. Hard yeah. to make big nutritional changes for her by one person. But she does, goes out of her way a lot. She 
you know, incorporates grocery store tours with our kids and cooking classes with them and does, you know, post different material in our fueling stations for, you know, pre-workout shakes, post-workout shakes, just small things that they can start to incorporate and that they will actually do on a regular basis. So we're working on that where we're trying to get some other deals with some people in town who want to support the program and work through that to continue to provide more for athletes. But that's one of the places that we have a lot of room to grow still. Yeah. I think what's cool is from my perspective, just this whole like switch of branding, the roar, like I think ISU is going to start getting a little bit of momentum behind it Mm -hmm. because there's some change. Like Like I just remember nothing had changed from when I can remember to when I was eight years old and moved here to when I left high school, like nothing had changed at ISU and you never heard about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I I think it'll be good. I think with the change in like rebranding and stuff, although if people listen to me, I think that logo still needs a slit in the eye. There's been some conversations about that. Because I drew it, like we did it on like a t-shirt, like put the line in it. And it actually looked like still very new, but reminiscent of, it looked a little more like the old one. Which mm-hmm. I know some people have said, like, that looked like a completely different logo. But the slit in the eye, for some reason, ma- like, made it look a lot more like that one. Yeah. But still, like, new and fierce and, like, The funniest updated. thing I've heard in which uh, Stuart Summers, who works on lower campus, is kind of in charge of running the rebanding. And you talk with him, and some of the m- most common feedback he gets is from people saying the new logo looks too mean. They don't yeah, like it. That's what we it, want. <laughs> it's, it's too fierce and it's too mean. I was like... That's kind of what we're going for, so yeah. that's actually a compliment. But yeah. I think it's been received well. I think they've done a great job rolling it out on campus. I think um, – Yeah, the banners on the buildings are awesome. You know, within the athletic department, um, our administrative leadership team and everyone in the department kind of came up with some core values, and we're working on it, and we're calling it our athletic department ROAR, which yeah. we've rolled out and the, the main core values that we're going to – base all our decisions in and so our athletic directors done a great job of that and working to incorporate so there's a lot of momentum it just change takes time and yeah it, you know and it's sometimes little steps can make a big difference but it's one thing at a time and yeah you know we're chipping away and we're getting there and i there's a positive direction and there's excitement about the different programs which is good and you can feel that in the community and yeah what i'm hoping is the community realizes that like so all this stuff is brand new happening right before kind of the main football season and whatnot. Like, I'm just hoping they realize it takes years and years to kind of like develop a winning program. Yeah. So just because we rebranded, like, yep. I just hope that like, I'm hoping we have a great season and we do really well. Yeah. But if we just had like a normal, you know, even if we won half our games, lost half of them, like hopefully people aren't like, oh, well, it's just old ISU. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we kind of lose that momentum. And I think from my perspective, what little I can control, that's been a goal for mine is just to change the view of Idaho State. Yeah. I've, been, I've been at other schools who were in this conference before I've coached there. I know how Idaho State was looked at for a long time, who was kind of looked down on. There, We have a lot more to offer than people expect. I think our yeah. athletes are much more talented than people expect. Yeah. You know, And so I've kind of worked to embrace that underdog role, and we're going to surprise people. Yeah. So my goal is to put the strongest, most athletic athletes out there on the field and let them do what they're good at. Yeah. You know, win or lose, draw, whatever it's going to be, that other team's going to know they went against a team that was well-prepared, physically prepared, you know, strong, athletic, and had a desire. And we're, you know, it's it's moving the right direction. So it's part of it is that stubbornness trying to get the respect that I think our athletes deserve yeah. and they don't get all the time. I think there's some people in the community that have been a great of jumping in and buying in and being through with us through thick and thin and yeah but you know it's trying to convert those people who want to be part of a successful program to come in all the time yeah and sometimes the problem with pocatel is i was just at another meeting for like it's called think big but our mindset kind of had our community kind of has a mindset of like just pocatel sucks like there's just a group of people that are like i'm just in pocatel because it's cheap whatever Mm -hmm. or isu sucks like it's there's not very much of a growth mindset here. So I think I think the whole community, like, over the last couple of years and hopefully over the next five years, ten years, like, takes a swing toward more of, a, like, a positive community. Yeah. And I think that will directly help, like, ISU and athletics. And, it's, yeah, that, I mean, that kind of reminds me of a, when I was young coming up as a GA, one of the coaches, when I'm asking for advice, he said, no matter what, don't go coach somewhere because the logo on your shirt or chase these big things. That will be great. The money will be great. But – he said, no matter where you're coaching, your number one goal should make the big 
make where you are be the big time. Yeah. You know, you might not be at Alabama or LSU, but there's no reason why we can't make ISU big time. as big time as those programs and, you yeah. know, operate in the same way they do with the same goals. Yeah. There's funding and staffing and things like that. But I, you know, my thought has always been whether I'm a one person show or whether I have 30 coaches, 30 yeah. coaches yeah. I'm going to run it the same way. I'm going to run it like a top tier division one program, which is what I think we are and what we can continue to move toward. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's rather than coming up with excuses why we can't do things, I'm trying to find ways around it to make what we're doing work. Yeah. You know? No, that's, I think that's a mindset that needs to be there because then the athletes will also mold their mindset off like what they're around, like you right. and the coaches. So, I mean, if you guys believe, odds are they'll believe. And yeah, belief is huge. I think yeah. in, you know, in the coach-athlete relationship, honestly what I do – probably 20% of it is sets and reps and programming yeah. and the importance. The majority of what I do is creating a mindset with our athletes and a belief in themselves and their coaches and their programs and things like that and getting the right culture. That's the majority of what I do, and that's where I can make a big difference with them, I think. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what sets good coaches apart from great coaches. Yeah. And that's similar in the private sector. Like Being it's able like to connect. and Connect and convince them that they're capable of things and job doesn't, your job really doesn't suck that bad. Right. You just need to be more positive about it and yourself. And, you know, like all of that, yeah, coaching is like it's just funny because it is only like 20 or 30% about like actual training. And yeah, it's like the rest of it's like when, when you really mindset. boil it down, the majority of us are doing the same things yep. in different varieties. You know, I have these kids, they they have friends or siblings or whatever that are playing at other bigger universities. And, you know, it's always kind of a wake up call for them when they're like, oh, we do a lot of the same stuff they're doing at this school. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, there's it's no like, secret yeah. sauce. It's yeah, like- <laughs> it's not. We're not doing anything. The biggest thing is how you can get them to buy in. So yeah. I think that's what can set me apart and what helps build our culture over the years is I've been able to create those relationships. I think I'm a good people person. You know, yeah. there's other coaches who have a lot more knowledge than me and the actual nuts and bolts of strength and conditioning. There's yeah. always something to learn. They've been doing it longer. They have more, but yeah. it's the people skills. It's the communication. It's, you know, it's yeah. what Brett Bartholomew calls now the, the, the art of coaching. Of coaching. Yep. It's, it's that side that is kind of seen as the soft side in strength and conditioning. You know, you don't want to be the soft guy. You want to be the, yelling and screaming and we're moving heavy weight but i think there's something to having those quote-unquote softer skills yeah. with your athletes and you know yeah. being able to see them as people as well not just athletes. a football player or a basketball player or whatever it might be yeah no i agree and i think if you get that in place first and then hopefully in the future the money comes where you have those kind of wow factors to get kids here like you have mm-hmm. a nice gym you have you know, Oregon, for example, like yeah. they're going to get people that want to go there just because of nice things. But first that culture has to be like, you have the right people, there. the right people in place. And that's the exciting thing about pokey. And the way I try to bring in so many people like chief shy and get out in the community and have our athletes be seen out there is there's a lot of people here who want to do everything they can to help ISU and will yeah. do anything to see ISU succeed. Yep. And don't want the credit. Don't want recognition. Just want to do what's best for our athletes. Mm-hmm. I think bringing them in and making them part of the program will really help us advance us toward that. You know, we might not have the best facilities. We might not have the flashiest, whatever, weight room, anything like that. But we have really good people here. Yeah. And I think good people will always beat out all that other stuff. Yeah. And good coaches. Because when I was growing up, I don't remember – I don't think I met, like, even through high school, like I wasn't exposed to a community event with ISU athletes. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know any of them or see any of them. Right. Just on the field. So, yeah, I think that would be huge Like because they're all super nice. But like now that I'm at Streamline, I get to talk to a lot of them. And it comes from the very top. It starts with our president. You know, he came from Boise State in a place where athletics was important. He's brought that here, and he's yeah. brought that energy. So it goes from him to our athletic director to our head coaches and just permeates the whole department. Yeah. And that's why you see our athletes out doing other things. You see them getting involved in other activities that aren't just sports-related. And yeah. that's why we have – all these great businesses and professionals in town stepping up and wanting to help us as well and yeah. lend their expertise to make it a better place for each of our athletes. Yeah. So for at, so for coaches that are kind of like looking into getting into the like strength and conditioning side on the college side, um, what would you say is – so we talked about culture. What's, what's another big challenge – is like communication a big challenge in terms of like being able to coordinate between all these coaches 
and what they want in that and is there any recommendations on like how they can prepare for that or it, it absolutely is i you know it's one of those things i've had to learn you have to pick and choose your battles yeah you got to know which ones are important and which ones you got to let go a little bit you're not always going to see eye to eye with your coaches um, in my position i deal with every head coach and even though my title says director of strength and conditioning i just view myself as an assistant to every head coach yeah. i'm an assistant on their staff at the end of the day, I have my beliefs on what I think is best for the athletes and what's going to work. But at the end of the day, it's their team and gotcha. their program. So they need to feel like they have input and their voice is heard. And, you know, we can have some discussions and it's not always easy. Sometimes you're going to butt head with, with coaches, but you have to try to leave the ego out of it. Yeah, You have to remember that what we're doing and why we're here is our athletes and what's best for our athletes. Yeah, Getting in a, you know, an ego contest with a head coach over whether we're going to do a dumbbell snatch or a barbell snatch probably yeah. isn't worth it. It's not going to benefit our athletes at all. Yeah. Cause I know like for me, if I got into the college scene, like that would be hard because you know, we all have a kind of a vision of like what our program would be mm -hmm. and how it'd be ran and why we do the training principles we do and our beliefs. But then at the end of the day, like you just said, like it's their team. Yep. You're training their team. So you have to have, give and leeway even if it's not something that you necessarily agree with there's not a point to like battle every right and i think just being around them though they see you around their team and they see you taking interest you know they see you out at their events and going to their games and matches yeah. and you're around it's not the and only time you're you. ever around them is in the weight room you start to build that trust and they realize you actually do care about that team yeah. that was one of the things i really had to fight when i first got here is my background is in football you know, I was kind so of like, labeled, oh, you're a football. I was coach. labeled as a football guy. So there yeah. was, there was some coaches who were nervous, and you know, rightfully so. I get it about me coming in and taking over the entire program. Are we just going to do football lifts? You know, do you understand how these other sports work? That's all you've done. You know, I don't want my athletes looking like football players. I don't want them lifting like football players. You know, so I've I've had to fight that a little bit. But as I've gotten to know the coaches, and they realize that that's not how we're going to train all the time, even though most of the basics are the same. Yeah. It's, uh, athletes yeah. are athletes. Yeah. You humans know, are humans. We there's move. a few little, you know, intricacies for each sport, but yeah. sport specific is pretty universal. Yeah. I feel. Um, but it's just developing the relationship with those coaches and knowing they can trust me and knowing I have the best interests in their program. And so it's taken time. And that's why by year three, it's, it's running better. We still run into things from time to time, but the trust level is there. This year has been a new challenge for me in that we have four new head coaches coming in this season. Oh, yeah. So that's been a challenge, but you're able to sit down and meet with them one-on-one, -on -one and I, you know, I kind of explain to them what I've done in the past, what I believe in, but then I also ask, what are your viewpoints? What works for you at your previous school? What do you really like? What do you not like? Let's find some middle ground and put together the best training program possible to allow you to have success on the field. Yeah. And most of our coaches here are really good. They, they understand that my expertise is in strength and conditioning. That's what I'm paid to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like our head football coach. He said, I, I trust you. You do what you want. I'm not going to tell you how to run your lifting program. Just like, I don't expect you to come tell me what play to call on third and eight. Yeah, you know, it's nice that you're there. It, that there's point. that combination yeah. <laughs> and you get there eventually. Yeah. It, it happens. It doesn't always happen right away, but just building that trust. It's the same as building trust with athletes. Yeah. You know, if you don't have trust, you're not going to have buy-in. For sure. And there has to be some vulnerability there. I've been pretty open with some coaches saying, you know what, this sport is new to me. I've never trained this sport. I'm learning. Help me out. You know? Yeah. When, so if, the, if they see that and you're not trying to just be the person with all the right answers all the time and being willing to say, I don't know, but I'm going to go find out, that goes a long way towards building that goodwill with them and yeah. building a strong relationship so yeah i think just like in general just having like kind of an open like a like you know what you know but you don't know everything so just kind of have an empty cup in terms of mm -hmm. you know you can always learn even if those people never don't have any background strength conditioning i mean they might they can give you insights on like what's demanded on the field yeah. so then you can take that back and put it together because we run into like similar problems with when we work with you know high school athletes is you know, usually strength coaches in high school aren't strength coaches. They're like sport. They're like basically right. like if you took one of the coaches here and just had them run the strength program. Um, so it's like how do you communicate with those people and work with them and 
be very open with what you're like what we're doing on our private side with their athlete and what we'd like to see them do there and what we can do to kind of tie into what they are and that's been going pretty well when at first earlier in my career i was just like they don't yeah you know i'd say stuff like they don't know what they're doing da, da, yeah da. and that always gets back around yep, to them. It so does. especially like, in a small town like yeah, this i mean yeah. never burn a bridge you don't want to cross again at some point yeah so, so no it's interesting it's, it seems like so basically these things that we're talking about on here for coaches that, or future people that want to coach it's like the problems stay pretty universal just like the movement stays universal between athletes you know yeah. like whether you're in the college side private side so well, that's good to know um so we'll wrap it up but this was a good one so we'll do another one but if you had like one book right now or podcast that you listen to that you would recommend for an upcoming coach or somebody that just is going to work with people in general right what would you recommend i think the big one that i've read this year so i i'm big in reading i read a lot i do a lot of i tell all my athletes you, you know won't know this about me i'm a book nerd i read that's what I do all the time. They see me with all these books and wonder, what are you reading now? So I bet I took it on this year to try to read some kind of personal development book every month awesome. in different fields, different things from military to business to strength and conditioning to psychology, just kind of everything. And one that's really stuck with me and I've kind of taken a deeper dive on is Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. Right, right. Um, it kind of gets into the archetypes of athletes and how to deal with each archetype. You yeah. can't coach every athlete the same. You know, they're wired differently and how you can reach them and create this buy-in that we talk about. Um, so from that book, I got into his Art of Coaching podcast, which yeah. I listened to, and he gets in that. And now he actually has some online courses. So I just am just starting this week. He has a course called Bought In. So you're and doing that? I was, I'm gonna, doing I was that. about to yep. ask you. It's a five-week course, so I just I started it on Monday. And it's an online course. The great thing for me, it's yeah, you, you pay for it. You have lifetime access. You can do it on in your own time and go through it. But it's all about the, you know, it's not the X's and O's of strength coaching. It's creating that relationship with athletes and creating that buy-in and how, and communication skills. Some of the stuff that you don't learn in, when you're going to classes or that certifications don't teach you, yeah. but I think make all the difference in how you're going to be as a successful strength coach and how your athletes are going to find success. So that's kind of been a big thing for me lately is working with his stuff. Yeah, That's been a major one and that I've liked i don't think that and how much was that online course i don't think it's like a killer it's no like, it was i think it was 300 or 400 dollars, yeah. something like that and it's a it's a five-week course he sends a bunch of materials there's extra books and notes and, and things like that access. and lifetime access to it and you know he's i think he's done a good job i've never met him um but everyone i know speaks very highly of him or everyone i know that knows him personally speaks highly of him and i think he's doing a really good job of pushing some of these things that we as strength coaches don't like to talk about yeah um and getting it out there and you know helping educate that there's more to it than just lifting heavy weights and lifting hard yeah. all the time that actually getting to know your athletes and creating vulnerability and letting them see you as a person and seeing them as a person and all that yeah. kind of stuff really plays into it so that's kind of been my focus as of late in my personal develop professional yeah. development that's awesome um i'm finishing up i did a business course through the this guy named Logan Gelbrick, and then I'm reading his book, and I'm doing the Power Athlete Methodology, which is through, like, a group of guys. But I, I've been following him for a while mm -hmm. and watching Brett's stuff, and I think that'll be the next one I kind of dive into. And just from what I've – like, because he puts out a lot of free stuff, and just from what I've seen, I would almost recommend, um, like, before you go and spend a bunch of money on, like, a CrossFit – or, like, go spend a bunch of money on a certification, it might even be worth it for you to dive into that side first – because I would say my success with my gym and my career didn't begin because I knew a lot about strength and conditioning. It right. became because I was good with people. It's a people business. So if you're not a people person or you are and you want to take that skill to the next level, like honestly, I think if you, f if you had two options, you could be super knowledgeable about the X's and O's and strength and conditioning and the books but and was really shitty at working with people or you could be really, really great with people and not know that much. You probably, in most cases, would be more successful with the latter yeah. and, and being really good with people and really not knowing shit about strength and conditioning. You can learn the strength and conditioning side. Yeah. We all do it. There's a lot of people who are willing to share. Strength coaches have gotten really good about there's no trade secrets anymore. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of coaches in the business I can call up and say, what are you doing with this sport at this point in the year? 
you know, I have an athlete with this issue and, and they'll, they'll oh, help, sure. yeah. you know, they can be in our conference. You know, I have, there's some coaches in this conference that I talk to on occasion and, you know, they'll be, there's no secrets. We play them every year and they're, they'll give me whatever information they can to help out. So that's a big part of it. And the other thing I like about Brett's podcast, the art of coaching, he's, he did a episode a few weeks ago for young coaches who are trying to come up and it's, you know, it's kind of the old boys club. You got to get in, there's got to be some communication, but just how to ask good questions. And when you're reaching out to these well-known coaches who are spread thin and get thousands of emails and texts and direct messages and all that a day, how to ask a question that, that you're going to actually get a good response and that they're actually going to take the time to do and how to interact with them and actually learn from them. And I thought that was really valuable and very interesting, you know, just from his perspective, now that he's becoming very well known, some of the questions he gets and just talking about, you know, the time and the specifics and things like that, situational awareness that can make your question so much better and you're going to get so much more from that strength coach. And yeah. it shows you're invested in it. Yeah. You know, if I get as a strength coach, as busy as I am, if I get an email that just says, you know, what's the best exercise to get me stronger? You're like, eh. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, to be honest with you. You know, that yeah. it's such a broad topic and there's so many ways to answer that. How do you answer that in one email? Yeah. Without a, you need a million other details. But if you get a question that, you know, I'm a 15 year old high school football player, this is the position I play, this is my injury history, I'm finding that. I'm not running as fast or I'm not explosive enough in this, you know, what are some things I can work on? That's, that's something I can work with. Yeah. That's something I can help a lot more and lend some expertise. And as a coach, I'm not going to tell other people or coaches what to do if I don't know the situation. What yeah. works for me doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for everyone else. You got to know your athletes and know your population and then fit your training to yeah. match those personalities. So that, I, I think it's been a good thing. It's been interesting. It's opened my eyes to some other things and, Kind yeah. of approaching the problem of you know getting my athletes strong and fast and all that kind of stuff from a different mindset. So. Yeah, so I'm just to do your feedback right there already. From I'm definitely gonna probably make that my net once I finish up these two. I'll probably dive right into that. Because and he's been tied into Power Athlete. They've had him on. Oh yeah, they have on the I've podcast. A, a lot of those guys are tied in, and you know yeah. he's tied in with those guys down there. And that's the one thing I've found as I dive into these things that interest me, I find a lot of crossover and it turns out that, you know, great coaches seek out other great coaches and then collaborate. And so you kind of go down this wormhole of all the yeah. best minds in the business and just seeing how they do it and picking from them, private, public and then sector. Creating your own. Yep. Yeah. And then f- picking and choosing parts of it and applying it to what I do here. Yeah. Not everything's going to apply, but there's always little nuggets in there that it's like that aha moment and you incorporate with your athletes like that was that worked very useful so yeah because yeah power athletes more like about movement and uh the, the x's and o and why they do this and why they do that and i think brett feels really cool niche that wasn't available before mm-hmm. like you brought up like he, he even put a podcast out for people how to ask questions and engage better with people their, their mentors that they're trying to get to help them it's like what I haven't seen a lot of resources like no. that before. That's a lot like of that was you had to figure out on you your own. You have to figure it out on your own and trial and error, and that's the hard part. And in this field, it's becoming more popular, and more and more people are wanting to get into it. But the numbers of jobs aren't increasing. No, yeah, they're not going. It's up. super competitive. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same number of colleges out there. It's the same number of pro teams out there. You can do probably as many unpaid internships as you want, but at the end of the day, at some point, you got to make money to do it. Yeah, and those are the things that kind of set people apart when it mm. comes to hiring and do you have those people skills? Can you relate to athletes? Can you deal with administrators? You yeah. know, can you talk or are you just someone who once you step outside the weight room, you know, you're, you're a, just, a fish out of water. Yeah. You're the hermit in the weight room and you can't go out and talk to people. And so that's another thing. One of my mentors, you know, taught me early is don't be the strength coach who never leaves the weight room. Don't be the one who the only time you see coaches is in the weight room. Yeah. Don't make them always come to you. Make a, make an effort to once a week, even if you have nothing to do, you have five minutes, walk down to the administrative office, just say hello, stop in, stop by, you know, the basketball office, the volleyball office, whatever, just stop in and say hi and be seen and, yeah. you know, build those relationships. And yeah. I think that's gone a long way here for me. Good. I could still get better at it, but it's, it's helped. Well, I think too, that's like, everybody knows it kind of gets in the field. It's, I mean, that's going to help a lot with job security. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it does. Cause that's, what's, that's what's scary about like a position like this as well yeah. is typically traditionally you're tied to a coach, right? So if you don't leave the weight room and you don't develop relationships with, you know, maybe that coach moves on and this is still a great spot for you. But if you don't have good relationships, if that coach leaves and he doesn't take you or either you're picking up your family and moving and going with him yep. or you're out of a job because yep. that other guy coming in has somebody. So like if you have good ties with everybody on, and within the organization just creates, you know, not only is it better while you're here, but it's also better for your future. Yep. And that's why investing, you know, investing in myself and my education is so important to me because I know the security is not there. I've lost my job in a situation like that before. Yeah. And so I know I can't become complacent. I have to continually sharpen the sword and get better at what I do because there's probably a time I'm going to have to pick up and move. It's going to happen. It's part of the business. Um, if you're not okay with it and your family's not okay with it, probably not the business to get into. Private sector is probably a better yeah. solution. You know, it's one of those. There's a lot of great things about my job that I love, and uh, a lot of things that I can. You know, I don't have to wear a shirt and tie to work. I can wear gym clothes and I get yeah. to hang out with athletes and blast music and lift weights, and that's great. But you also have that hanging over your head. If we're not successful on the field, will we be employed next year? So just investing yeah. in yourself, just like you do in your athletes, is important. And yeah. then. You know, I don't work life balance probably isn't a real thing. I don't know that you ever really yeah, I balance work so it. Much. <laughs> but <laughs> what I've learned and now having a one year old daughter, I've learned that, you know, pulling the twelve, thirteen, fourteen hour days, you gotta pick and choose when you're gonna do that. Yeah. Because I'm not a great coach when my mind's not in the right place, when my family life isn't in the right place. Yeah. I'm not a good enough coach for my athletes. So finding times and I've gotten better taking time off and being out of the weight room and closing it down and, you know, having an athlete say, Hey, can I come get a workout and be willing to say, you know what? I can't today. I'm with my daughter. I'm with my wife. We're doing this. Yeah. Come see me on Monday. That's been something I'm working on. I think as strength coaches, we're just naturally the workhorses. You're just freaking taught. You got to work all day. If you want to get in there and you go and that's how you make it coming up. And so I think that's been something I've been working on and talking with other coaches. You can't let the other side of it falter because you're putting all your time and effort in to your coaching and your athletes. Yeah. You know, family is still an important thing for me. So, yeah. And a quick tip for people out there that like, this is how I look at it. Like I have spent a lot of money, extra money, like outside of school on education, mm-hmm. but I don't feel bad. Like take pieces of that and create your own. And my challenge is to you like make money from what you create out of it. Like create something, create a course, create, you know, use the information you got because that information that they created a course and making money for, it's not like they didn't come up with it. Right. Like they've worked and got, had mentors and created something and packaged it. And here it is. So like at the end of the day, take all these experiences you have and with the internet shit, I mean, you can make your money back. Yep. And that's one thing, you know, in this business, I've, I've been slowly working behind the scenes and creating a fallback plan. If for some reason something went wrong or I just decided I didn't want to be in it too much the time. So, you know, I'm working on a website, working on, online coaching kind of rolling yeah. some of that stuff out merchandise i haven't rolled any of it out but there's plans in the works and it's been something yeah. i've been working on and you know designing logos and it, it's something i have ready to go if i ever need it yeah you know and it's do it on the side and it's a it's a change up it's it's nice to diversify and i'm someone who needs to be busy i need to have a goal i need to have something yeah. i'm working towards so it's it's another thing outside of the day-to-day grind yeah. that can keep you focused and keep you working on improving as a coach yeah. as well. That's what I, I tell people. I'm like, cause people come to me now a little bit like kids my age about, they think I'm successful. Like I, my business is fairly successful, but obviously as an entrepreneur, it's like, you're always like, I'm not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So they start coming to me for like, what can I do to get to where I want to be? Cause a lot of people are working jobs that they don't love. Yeah. And it's like, I think everyone out there should have a side hustle because with the internet, like you, you can basically monetize any little skill you have outside that you like. Like you like to paint, cool. You could make prints, sell them online. Uh, you know, you're you like to coach. You could start an online coaching business. Like you can yep. create a course. Like there's websites that help you build like an e-course that is super easy to make. It's like honestly, everyone has. Even if you're working a full-time job, you could probably put together a low-level side hustle that could grow or just help supplement. Yep. It. 
but you're still doing and making money from something you love and to most do. Most strength coaches, we you know, we did that coming up anyways to get into the business. Yeah. Trying to get your foot in the door, you probably weren't making enough to live off as a strength coach. You probably had a full time job, something you're training early in the mornings and at night, you know, you're putting yep. the pieces together. It's something we all do as strength coaches and we can handle it. We can multitask. So it's an easy transition. Yeah. In the meantime, because you know, the the salaries are improving, the pay is improving, the job security is improving, but it's still not where I think it should be. I still think there's a lot of very talented coaches who are very underpaid in comparison oh, to sure. some of the other major sports and what coaches are getting paid and the amount of time they put in. And, yeah. you know, so it's something we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to trumpet, you know, toot our own horn and all that kind of stuff and talk about pay. We say it because we, we do it because we love it and it's what we do. And that's all true, but you still need to make a living. Yeah. And you still have to get paid what you're worth. And so I think being willing to value yourself and your time mm -hmm. and you know some other businesses too as a strength coach you will have someone walk up to you hey i got a question for you can you write this workout for me can you give me this advice yeah no other business does that you know yeah. you don't walk up to a dentist and say hey, i was you, wondering if you, you could work my, on this clean my teeth real yeah. quick right now and do it for free yeah you know as strength coaches it it seems like and a lot of times we do it to ourselves we're like yeah i'll do it for free but at some point yeah, we, I struggled we, with that. We have to beginning. put our foot down, yeah. and it's hard to do because we just want to help people at the end of the day. But you have to put a value on your knowledge and your expertise. Yeah. And, you know, it, you might start small, and you might have your friends and family discount and everything like that. But you can't continually give away your yeah. intellectual property and your Especially expertise when you're asking your other people to and, pay you. Yeah. Because then and it's I think like that's kinda... part that we need to grow into because we're not good at it. We're good at just saying, yeah, yeah I got you. I'll help yeah, you out. Yeah. Let's, uh, let me fix you. Yeah, let me do my job for you for free. But you think of, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. think a lot of other industries out there, no one's you're not no going to your dentist, that. you're not going to a lawyer. Hey, you do a surgery for free. Doctors yeah. not doing it like yeah. your financial advisor, whatever it is, they're not doing that. So yeah. we can catch up and become better business people too. Yeah, for sure. Maybe then that's probably another thing that up and coming coaches need to focus on is like creating an outside source of income or focusing really on learning the business side yeah. as well. So yep. shit, this is full of a bunch of little nuggets for people coming up. Cool. Um, where can people find you? I know you have your own personal if you want to share that, or you could just share the ISU. Yeah, so page. I'm on Twitter, um, at Coach Dan Ryan, same on Instagram. Yeah. And then I run an uh, Idaho State Instagram at ISU Strength. Okay. That's all on there. Email's on the website. Yep. People can reach out and contact me there. We're pretty easy to find if you yeah. search any of our ISU athletic stuff. We're there. Yeah, so uh, I challenge you if you're in Pocatello or you follow ISU a little bit, you know, go and follow that page and kind of just at least be more aware and involved with what's going on in the weight room and support that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in guys. Yeah. yeah thanks for being it. on Dan. You got it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in and supporting Hanson athletics radio. I really appreciate you. Please take the time to leave a review, whether that's on iTunes or Spotify and maybe even Pandora if you're fancy and, uh, let us know what you think. Give us that five-star review and I appreciate you guys listening in. I hope you can take a piece of this and use it to improve your daily life. So again, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear about, we are always open. And if you would like to be on the show itself, reach out to Darren at handsathletics.com. You can support us on our website, handsathletics.com, or visit our Instagram page and give us a follow. Thanks, guys.